Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience podcast. I have another guest today in the historian slash archivist slash we love Girl Scout history mini series. And I uh, have just met this guest. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself, please. Tell us who you are, what kind of location or council you're most closely affiliated with, and how would you describe your current role or involvement in Girl Scouts? Okay, uh, my name is Margaret Seiler, and I live in a small town in upstate New York. So I am part of the Girl Scouts Heart of the Hudson, but I um, most recently, I, I've only been a member of this council for about a year. Before that, I was living in Brooklyn, New York, and I was part of the Girl Scouts of Greater New York. I'm originally from Richmond, Virginia, and my mother was from Savannah, Georgia, but I can tell you more about that later in the call. Yes, I love that because we do have some some good stuff to talk about there, but very cool. And how long have you been invo- involved with Girl Scouts? Yeah, so I didn't uh, mention, I'm, I mean, I'm currently both a volunteer and a delegate for the Girl Scouts Heart of the Hudson Council. Um, I, I'm not a troop leader, but I put myself out there as a volunteer. And um, I was a brownie as a child, and I was a Girl Scout probably only for fifth and sixth grade. That's what I recall. And then I wasn't involved with Girl Scouts for many years, but I got involved again when my two daughters joined, and we were living in Brooklyn, New York, and they were both in, they were both in Girl Scouts for a few years. So it's been a while. That's awesome. And how would you describe what Girl Scouts means to you and your family? Yeah, I have a unique uh, viewpoint because I'm actually a great niece of Juliet Gordon Lowe. So my mother was uh, born in Savannah, Georgia, in what they call the the birthplace, the Juliet Gordon Lowe birthplace. That was actually the house my mother grew up in. And she was born in the house, too. So I like to tell girls it's not just Juliet's birthplace, but some of the other family members were born there. So, hey, wait, you know, I'm I've... sorry. Hang on a second. <laughs> Can we just pause on that? Your mother was born at what we call the birthplace. And did you say also she grew up there? Yes. Uh, I That's so like to... cool. I, thank you. I'm, I love to tell girls this story. My mother was the youngest niece of Juliet. So, and she always referred to her as Aunt Daisy, of course, because she was called Daisy her whole life, even though her given name was Juliet. Um, She didn't have any children of her own, but she had lots of nieces and nephews. And my mother was the youngest of all of those nieces and nephews. And she only had, I think she said she really only had one memory of her aunt before Juliet died when my mom was four. Um, Should I tell you the memory? Yeah, tell us. So in Savannah, the Juliet Gordon Lowe birthplace uh, was actually a house that was owned by the the Gordon family. My mother was a Gordon. That was her maiden name. And uh, it was built by a great, 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 I can't remember how far back, uncle of my my mother's whose last name was Wayne. So at at some point it was called the Wayne Gordon house. Um, But my grandmother, my mother's mother was the last family member to live in the house. 
uh, and she was in her 70s and the house became too much for her to keep up. And so the family wanted to sell it. And one of my mother's cousins came up with the idea, well, maybe the Girl Scouts would like to buy it. So this was way back in the 1950s. I believe my mother got married in 1952 and the house was sold to the Girl Scouts in 53. And then I think it opened to the public after they did a lot of renovations in 1956. But I was gonna tell you the story my mother told about her Aunt Daisy. She remembered when she was uh, three or four, she was over at the house, which is also in Savannah, called the Andrew Lowe House, which is where her Aunt Daisy lived as an adult, because of course she married Willie Lowe and became Julia Gordon Lowe and lived in a house, which is also a historic house museum. If you ever go to Savannah, you can visit both of these houses. My mother was over at the Andrew Lowe House where her Aunt Daisy lived. And there are these two big lions stone lions in front of the house. And she said she remembered sitting on one of the lions and calling out, look at me, Aunt Daisy, look at me. But Daisy didn't turn around to look at her. And somebody knelt down and said to my mother, she can't hear you, she's deaf. So that's the only memory my mother had because her Aunt Daisy sadly died. I think she was in her late 60s. My mother was only four. And um, maybe your listeners know that an interesting fact about Juliet Lowe was that she was largely deaf, but she founded this amazing organization, even with that disability. There, I'm just astounded. This is so cool. So was your mom involved with Girl Scouts? Yes. So um, my mother was the youngest of four children and she, you know, she was kind of, she was much younger. So her older siblings all knew their Aunt Daisy. Um, but by the time my mom came along, anyway, um, she was a Girl Scout when she was growing up. And she she heard a lot of stories from her father, who was uh, Daisy's youngest brother, about his sister and how she started the Girl Scouts and just what really about what an interesting person she was, because, you know, she she was a very interesting uh, person. And had a rep, you know, Juliet, Juliet was the second of six children. There were six children in the family. My grandfather was the youngest, my mom's dad. And she was known as a very um, quirky, creative person who did things her own way. And she even got the nickname in the family, Crazy Daisy, which I think today would not be a very nice name to call someone, but it was their affectionate way of uh, just noticing that, you know, she was a little scatterbrained. She was very, very um, uh, willful and, and just wanted to do things her own way. And I always think that's how she became so determined, you know, when she, want, when she got involved with Girl Scouts, which wasn't until she was, I think, 51 was when she started Girl Scouts. She had to build this organization by herself and she had the determination because that was, she had a very strong personality. So um, I, I just think she was a really interesting person to Yeah, I think she's learn really about. interesting too, but um, I bet it's a whole different level of interesting when she's, it's literally your family. That is so fascinating. So for you personally, what is your favorite Girl Scout tradition? And it can be past or present or both. And what does it mean to you? 
I think that my favorite tradition um, of about Girl Scouting is, is making s'mores and learning how to go camping and hiking and the emphasis on the outdoors. And honestly, I have to say that I did not do a lot of that as a Girl Scout myself. Um, I did go to Girl Scout camp one summer and I really enjoyed it. But I think my troop, I, I was in in fifth and sixth grade. We didn't, I don't remember camping like on the weekends or anything like that. Yeah. S'mores is a good one. I um, it. I live in Arizona and so it's generally pretty hot here. And we have just recently cooled down um, for our nicest weather of the year is right now. And uh, it's just cold enough that, oh, a s'more sounds so good right now. So <laughs> it definitely made me want one. And this may be an interesting perspective considering how it relates to you personally, but why do you think it's important for us to preserve Girl Scout history? And why should girls and current volunteers care about the history of Girl Scouting? That's a good question. Um, I, I feel like, you know, this organization is 110 years old. And it, it's so interesting that my great aunt started it at a time when women in this country didn't even have the right to vote. And uh, even way back when she started it in 1912, um, she thought girls should feel like they, they, they could do anything. They could learn how to fly a plane. Um, they could, um, trying to think of some of the things, but you know, at that time, it was not common for girls to play sports. And she thought that girls should get out in the fresh air and exercise. It was good for you. So she, she had them playing basketball in her um, backyard in her, I guess it was her parking lot. And she, she hung a big sheet, um, so that the neighbors couldn't see what the girls were doing because it was, believe it or not, scandalous in 1912. So I just think those stories are really empowering for, for, for leaders, number one, to learn about this woman who was able to start what became the largest organization for girls in the history of the country or the world. She started this organization as a 51-year-old widow who had had many privileges in her life, but also had had sadnesses and an unhappy marriage. She, I, I think it's empowering to learn about her as a person and also um, for girls to understand, you know, where they've come from. And it, it kind of helps put you just to, to learn about where you are today, to know where you've come from. Yeah, I agree. I think that all of that is is really important. I and having that perspective of lots of things about Juliet's life didn't go the way she would have hoped or planned and she was as you said 51 I think you said um when she started Girl Scouts gosh I mean what a legacy to have left behind. Yeah. No, I think I think it's it's it I just find it an inspiring story. You know, I, I actually, I, I'm a retired school teacher. I used to work as a elementary and middle school teacher. And I think it's really important for kids. I, I actually think they, they love learning about how people lived a long time ago and, and seeing the contrasts. Um, so really not yeah. that long ago at the same time. So 
it sounds like you know really quite a bit about Juliet Lowe um, and and Girl Scout history, much more than your mother who met her and lost her when she was four would have ever told you. So you've clearly done some learning, quite a bit of learning on your own. What piqued your interest to really make you decide to like spend some time learning about Girl Scout history? Yeah, I feel like I I do I know more. I've always known more about Juliet Lowe than I than I did really about Girl Scouts. Um, you know, but when my my daughters started Girl Scouts, I I got a little bit more interested in learning about the organization itself and um and I just love American history, so I, you know, I spend my time researching and doing a little bit of writing and um I also am privileged to serve on the Birthplace Advisory Committee, which is a committee of people who um, just, uh, you know, we meet three or four times a year with the leadership at the Juliet Gordon Lowe Birthplace in Savannah and advise on various things. So I am the Gordon family representative on the advisory committee. Um, let's see, I would like to plug, um, for the 100th anniversary of Girl Scouts, which was 10 years ago, um, this really wonderful biography of Juliette Lowe was published. Um, the author's name is Stacy Cordery. And there had been previously one or two biographies, but that is really the best, most researched, most scholarly book. So if you really want a good, a long historical read about a famous American woman, and you haven't read it, I, I recommend it. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. What's something that you would like to learn more about regarding either Juliet Lowe's history or Girl Scout histories, anything in that realm? Um, hmm. You know, I'm interested in women's history and um, I don't know exactly it'd be interesting to learn more about sort of where Juliet Lowe is where she's placed in in women's history you know uh what other figures um is she similar to or you know made the same kind of impact trying to think of another woman who really had as much of an impact on on girls girls and women i can't think of anyone right now yeah, I feel um, like at least um, specifically American girls, although Juliette Lowe certainly had incredible international work as well. But um, for American girls, I think, yeah, she's a pretty standout. There are certainly people who worked for like women's suffrage and um, other women's rights. Um, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg comes to mind, but girls specifically, I don't know that American girls have had a champion greater than Juliet Lowe. Yeah, and I I think now there's a conversation about gender, like, you know, is it okay to have single sex environments or, you know, maybe there's there's more than two genders. There's people who consider themselves non-binary and things like that. I but I you know, that's it's an interesting conversation, but I believe that it's really important for girls to have a space by themselves, um, that it, it it can be very empowering and um, just, just safe. And um, I, I think it's a good thing. I completely agree. And I am really interested in the 
spirit of in being inclusive, sometimes I feel like just having a space that is not for um, cis hetero men specifically is enough. Like sometimes I feel like just having a space that isn't dominated by men who were assigned male at birth live a fairly normative lifestyle that dominates every industry, every field, every space. And so um, having a space that's specifically not for them, sometimes I feel like that is more what it's about. And sometimes, and, and this is where I think the research is just so underdeveloped and there's a lot of room for more because there's so much research out there about girls only spaces being so critical to girl development, but that's not taking into account that there's more than just a gender binary. And so I'm interested in more research becoming available um, around that. And certainly I think being inclusive is really important, but um but yes, I agree with you. The general sentiment of uh, while still being as inclusive as possible to the fact that we don't really live in a gender binary society um, and that society is becoming less and less based on a, a binary structure. I think that um, a girl's only space with the little asterisk that's like, this is being updated. <laughs> this is in, in progress of our understanding is growing. Um, I agree with you. I think it's really, really important in the research around that of how important it is for girls to have spaces without boys. And again, I know I'm speaking. So if anybody listening is feeling like my language is exclusive or harmful, please let me know how I can do better. Also, um, keeping it as simple as possible in terms that are most accessible to us historically. Um, a space for girls to be girls without boys is really important and has always been. And for girls to be able to play basketball with Juliet Lowe, putting up a sheet so that society can stay out of their business and they can just be girls. Like that is super empowering and, and important. I agree. No, I think you did a good job. Thank you. I really, I, I am actively it. trying. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, you've shared several stories about Juliet Lowe already. Do you have a favorite Juliet Lowe story? Um, there are so many funny stories about her. Um, you know, they say that she, she never heard anybody say no when she was when she was growing the Girl Scouts. And of course she was, you know, partially if not largely deaf. So perhaps she actually didn't hear people, but she would ask uh, women, you know, can you, can you come to the troop meeting next week? We need a new leader. And the woman would say, well, I'm, I'm not sure if I have time. And she'd say, great, I'll see you there next Tuesday. <laughs> um, thus originated voluntold. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of people hear these stories about how she liked to uh, stand on her head or on her hands. And there's a story about her um, talking at a meeting and saying, oh, we've got a, we've got a new shoe or something. I, I, I don't know if she had new shoes or a new Girl Scout uniform or something, but she wanted to show off her shoes. And so she stood on her 
hands to, to show everybody. But what people don't know is that I think that was something of a tradition in my family, because I have a picture of my grandfather, who was her younger brother, standing on his hands on his 50th birthday. <sighs> oh, that's really interesting. So it was, it was a way of showing, you know, I'm still young and spry. I love hearing that. That is really cool. So is there, are there any projects or initiatives you are working on right now, or you've recently worked on that you want to share? I know you mentioned you are part of the birthplace advisory board, anything that's going on with that or has that you've gotten to be part of with that or anything well, else? There are two, two things um, with my work with the council, the heart of the Hudson here in New York state, uh, I just joined our property committee. And so we're looking at the different properties owned by the council because there was a there was actually a big controversy with the former leadership had decided to sell off a I think an 85 year old camp and a bunch of other properties, which of course is happening all over the country. And some councils are making hard decisions to do that. But anyway, part of the Hudson, the the membership fought hard against it and they were able to stop the sales for now. Every The sales of all the properties have been put on hold. So I'm sitting on this new property committee and we're going to take a look at all the properties and try to, um, you know, just offer information to the membership um, so we can see what would work best and what, you know, how they can be improved, how they can best be used and all of that. And that's, it's interesting because of the work I've been doing with the, the um, Birthplace Advisory Committee in Savannah. I am on two committees there. I'm on a fundraising committee and a interpretation committee. And the interpretation committee is fun because um, we're looking at, there's a fairly new director of the birthplace. She's been there a little over a year. So we're taking a look at everything, the furnishings, um, just everything, the stories that are told at the house um, and a, 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 interpret, a new interpretive plan will eventually be rolled out, but it's gonna take a few years. So I'm interested in being involved with that. Yeah, lots of good stuff there. That is awesome. So with the property committee, um, I don't know how much you can share, but is it, uh, not just obviously we want to save the space for girls to be able to go and um, to be part of the Girl Scout experience, also saving the tradition and the history, but also how do we um, afford this? How do we afford the upkeep and the maintenance and the how do we make it profitable or at least not uh, have it be hemorrhaging money? As, is that the conversation around that? Yeah, I think I think we're going to be looking at all of those things. Um, uh, Apparently, we have a pretty wide variety of properties. I think there are three or four camps, and then there are also um, other kinds of spaces um, that are owned by the council. So, so it's a lot of a lot to look at and um, think about. How, you know how they can best be utilized for the girls and supported financially and otherwise. Now, obviously, not not a lot of councils are necessarily going to have an opportunity like this. So it's not necessarily something that people 
have at their existing council, although they could certainly try to advocate for it, but um, is it a mix of staff and volunteers serving on this committee? Yeah, I think it's um, maybe 10 people. Um, the woman who's the head of the committee is on the board, but they're, they're, we actually have seven um, counties of New York State that are part of the council, which is kind of crazy. It's a very large council. So there, I believe there's one, there's one representative volunteer from each county. Um, so it, it's a mix. It's actually mostly volunteers, but I think there's some staff and board members as well. Sure. Interesting. I think that'll be really valuable conversation to have because I know that when things like that happen where there's conversations or the sales do go through, unfortunately, where properties are sold off, camps are sold off, it's heartbreaking for volunteers and for families. And um, I know the camps that I grew up going to when I was a kid in Girl Scouts back in Pennsylvania have both been sold. And that it is sad to think that's gone, quote unquote, right? Hopefully they still will stay camps, just not it's not the same. And um, there is something really sad about that. And if it's actively, you know, if it's something that you're currently going to, like for me, that was, you know, many years ago, but um, if it's something that you're currently going to, that's a tradition for your troop and, and it's a big part of your Girl Scout experience, it's very sad. And, um, and that's even an understatement. It's heartbreaking. And also, the conversations around why that's happening and what what can we do to save those properties, to save those camps, that is a very complicated, loaded conversation. It's important. And I think it's great that you have this opportunity now in your council where volunteers get to be part of that conversation and contribute to the conversation. But I also think it'll be a really good um, perspective and, and learning of it's, it's so much more than just heartbreaking, right? Nobody's like sitting in councils, twiddling their thumbs, like, aha, yes, I can, I can buy an extra beach house. If I sell this camp property, like, "Hmm, yes, I see personal profit for me. And in getting rid of this, that's not, that's nobody's like, nobody's mustache twirling and, um, and plotting of how to get rid of camps, right? That's not, anybody's goal it's not anybody's hope it's not uh and so it's hard for everybody involved and I think that's sorry that's a whole segue but I I just see so much conversation online about the the heartbreak of camps being sold so um yeah I think that'll be really interesting yeah I mean I I volunteered for the committee because since I joined this uh council and they were literally in the midst of really fighting the the sale of these properties i've i've started learning more about the issue i had heard that camps were being sold across the country but i didn't know that much about it so i'm i'm starting to learn more about it and i i just i just think i mean conservation of land number 1 is super important in our climate change world um but but also I mean, you know, you you can't you can't get back something like that if you if you sell a property, um, then you you lose a place for for girls to gather. I think it's detrimental to the membership in the long run, you know. 
So anyway, there's a lot of issues too. I'm going to learn about being on this committee. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the environment aspect of it. And and yeah, that's a huge part of it. And that's one of the most important issues for girls of today is um, their investment in protecting the environment and, and saving our planet and them getting to have a future on planet earth. Right. So um, yeah, I think that all, all of it matters, all of it matters. And um, it, but also it's hard, it's expensive. And um, we're also seeing layoffs in every industry, but including nonprofit and in Girl Scouts and like the money's, the money's hard to come by. The money's hard to come by. And and there's a lot of expenses that go into it and, um, and it's complicated. It's it, there is a business side to it and that's really hard. Um, and in things that matter the most like this, which to me, this Girl Scouts is like one of the things that matters the most to me in the whole world. Right. And so as far as issues or causes. And, um, and so there's never enough money for the things that matter the most. Right. <laughs> so it's just interesting. Anyway, I, I'll, I would be fascinated if, as you, um, go down that path, if there is thing, if there are things that you can share, you're comfortable talking about, I would love to hear more about what conversations are happening and what you're learning and what people who might not have the same opportunity for participation and transparency in, all of this, but are still experiencing it. Cause it, like you said, it's happening all across the country where at least the conversations are happening, if not the actual sales and boy Scouts too. I know that happened, um, much more closer to home for me, uh, that our, our boy scout council was also experiencing that of closing camps, selling camps. And it's, uh, it's hard. So, yeah. um, I definitely would be interested to learn more. I'm sure other people would too. Yeah, I mean, I I am I am going to try to keep an open mind, and um, because as you said, it's it's a very complicated issue. Yeah. Okay. So total tangent, but thank you for um, humoring me about that. I um I am so grateful that you took some time to come on, and you've shared some really cool, interesting stories and experiences, and and facts, and I've learned a lot, and it was just really cool to meet you. So thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Well, it was it was great meeting you. Thank you. 